After Hours is back. And ladies and gentlemen, we have someone else back. Come on. It's not Brock Purdy. It's Brock Morgan. Come on. Oh. Let's go. With the one and the only Josh. Yo. Come on. What's going on? His voice. Man, that is. Hello, baby. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. (laughs) Hello. Okay. Oh man, oh. Josh is sexy. Man, this is true. That's a, that's a romantic <laughs> voice right there. Well, we do have, like I said, we got Brock back. Thankfully, I'm back. Thankfully, it's not it's not Brock Purdy. Uh, a lot of people don't want to see him right now. You know, what a great young man, though. Oh, dude, solid man, solid guy, good quarterback. Media, leave him alone. Yeah, he's young. He He's did young. great. He played great. Yeah, the the fact that they even got to the Super Shut Bowl, they didn't up. even. He didn't. The guy was what, the last pick, yeah. right, in the draft of his La- year. Ve- last, yeah, pick. yeah. Expectations were way too high. Oh my gosh! Come on. Although all three of us were at a Super Bowl party that um, I was for a little while. I was too tired. Yeah, I couldn't hardly stand. I was in pain myself too. Y- yeah, physical. Physical, physical, physical on Sunday. Yeah. You're struggling. I I was struggling. Mental, I mean, physical. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you guys are talking about. But we were all, none of us here are like 49er fans, but we were at this house that um, I, I legit, after the game, I was scared to talk to a couple of people. Okay, uh, hold on. I have because to, like, I thought they're going to rip my head I off. I have to ask this because I left in the middle of the second quarter. I was too tired. We had a youth retreat. I could hardly breathe. And, but you were in a house full of 49er fans. Yep. <laughs> it didn't end well for them. No. I just want to know the vibe in the room. <laughs> it got very quiet. <laughs> that, would you agree? It got, oh, it got yeah. very quiet when it ended. Yeah. And I, I felt the tension in the air. I was like, can I talk to some people? <laughs> or I was like, now was there were some haters there. Joe Fraga was there. Yeah. Cam was there. Yeah. These are haters. haters. So were they talking trash or were they quiet at that point? One of them, I think, was talking trash, and it was the one that you can think of. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, they're both they're both yeah. big time trash talkers. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not a f- football guy, so I don't know anything. If anything, I was asking questions the entire time yeah. how, <laughs> how you play. But it, I was more stressed about the the room and the way the score was going than the actual game itself. Mm. It was a, yeah. it was a weird game. Like the first half Entertaining. was horrible though. Entertaining. Okay. What'd you guys, it's a real quick usher halftime. I didn't, I, I was asleep at that point. I, I had the game on and I fell asleep. So I was kind of in and out, but right. I went back and watched it. Um, Ooh, motorcycle going by you guys. I went back and watched it because I saw all this hate on Facebook and I thought it was all right. Yeah. Josh, quick thoughts on Usher? Um, well, in the moment, I couldn't really hear anything, which was part of my frustration of being there on Sunday because I was like trying to listen, but I oh, went yeah. back and I listened to it. I do like the arrangements. Mm. The arrangements were very cool. Very, uh, in my opinion, uh, creative. Um, my favorite part for sure was when he took his shirt off. That was <laughs> okay. Well, let's just talk about that. That was my favorite dude, part. So, dude, he's in good shape. Yeah. So, Brock, there are a lot of haters. My thing was like, that dude is in an impeccable shape. What? How old is he? Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Forties, maybe. He's got to be mid forties. 
Maybe. Dude, if you're looking like that nah, in he your 40s, good. Woo. I can tell you that he's not hesi- hesitant to take his shirt off while I'm I'm pretty hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I, I think Usher looked better than probably half the football players out there. Well, the def- definitely the lineman. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Anyways, hey, as a quick disclaimer, we are we are up in the bridge mezzanine, and uh, so you may hear some noise, and that's because they're doing a bunch of new door locks. Yeah, so, there could be some drilling, so yeah. apologize for that. But hang with us. We're rolling with it. Yeah. We're flexed. We just go. We just go. All right, so here we, we're hopping in, folks. We know it's been a little bit, but episode three now, finally... Uh, as we accompany and follow along our God at War series, which is pretty much on spiritual warfare. So here's what we want to cover for this episode. It's this, the claim of Christianity uh, and the gospels is that Jesus came and defeated Satan. He defeated the works of the devil. The devil came to bring uh, death. Jesus came to bring life. And um, one of the things that, hit me a while ago, my theological journey is A, we don't ever talk about that Jesus came to defeat Satan. We talk about Jesus defeating sin, but not so much like defeating Satan. Mm. So once you grasp that, um, and there's this war going on and he won the war, something really weird begins to emerge. Now, let me, let me can I interrupt this? Because your yeah. statement, because I think- Let's go. Before you go there, before the emergence- what do you have to be a weird Christian uh, or like a Pentecostal Christian or like a charismatic Christian to believe in this warfare thing? Yeah. Well, I don't think you have to be weird. I think there's a lot of Christians who've made it weird. Yep. Uh, I think maybe in some ways, maybe what we're trying to do with this series is say, hey, Unweirdify it? Yeah, that's a good word. Unweirdify it. Like how do you, uh, because sometimes I have felt the need to stress it less than it should be Mm -hmm. because of the- The weirdos. Weirdos. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, so- You feel that, Josh? I am a weirdo, so I don't know how I feel about this right now. <laughs> well, the other thing on that though, too, though, is I would also say that a lot of the American Western church in reaction to the weirdos yep. has not talked about it at all. Mm-hmm. And that's just as dangerous. Well, my seminary in particular taught us that, and we're going to get into this. I don't want you to lose your emergence though. Mm. Um, that at the cross, the enemy was defeated and there is no need for spiritual warfare. Do you hear that? That's warfare happening. That's warfare that right is. now, guys. <laughs> that That is the lock and the drill that we're talking about. Yeah. But we're good though. So Brock, man, dude, that's the softball tee up right there. Let's go with that. So let's back up and we'll use a couple metaphors here. We think there's two good metaphors that really help us in this whole like victory, but not victory and all that kind of stuff. One, probably the most common comes from World War II. You have D-Day. Yep. And then you have VE Day. What is D-Day? D-Day is the one that we know the most about, and that's when um, the Allied troops stormed Mm. beaches of Normandy, France. And D-Day, what it's known for, is that's the day that the war was won. Boom. 
So that's the day that yet the tides shifted. Yeah. Yet World War II, so that was in 1944. World War II went on for 11 more months into 1945 on VE Day, which stands for Victory in Europe, when World War II was officially, technically, formally ended. So people say that the war was won on D-Day, but it wasn't really won until VE Day a year later. Right, right. The other classic one, of, of course, is Juneteenth. Yep. Tell us about that. Lincoln, you know, the Civil War, the slaves are set free, they're liberated. Mm-hmm. But June 19th, years later, so the uh, uh, slaves in Texas finally get, they mm-hmm. finally get word. Right. <laughs> and they're set free. Now, here's my question for you is, was the war over, actually over at D-Day, and were the slaves in Texas free uh, before Juneteenth? Yes <laughs> and no. <laughs> so, yes. So if we, if, if we look at Lincoln's thing- Because it's two years later. Yeah. That yeah. June, uh, can you imagine? Uh, first of all, me being a slave for two years, I can't even imagine that. Mm-hmm but to be set free and not know it for two long years, right? Yeah. So the battle for freedom it was still at hand. Yep. I think those are perfect analogies. And I think we'll end up answering the question here as we unfold this, for what Jesus's victory against Satan is like. So if, if, if we, and of course these aren't perfect, right? You can always poke holes in, in metaphors. But I think if you can take what Jesus did on the cross and actually let me back up, not even the cross. I think starting in his life, cause I think Jesus mm. casting out demons. So he says, if I, by the finger of God or the spirit of God cast out this demon. And then he says this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So even with his life, his healings, uh, for lack of a better word, his exorcisms, those were the beginning defeat yep. of Satan. So his life, his death, and his resurrection is kind of, uh, if you will, our D-Day. Yep. But as we all know, everyone still dies today. Yep. And part of what we're talking about in the series is that Satan is still active. Satan is still active. We know because of our last series in the book of Revelation, it isn't until the end that finally um, death is ultimately f- defeated. The uh, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire to be no more. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be VE day. That would be Juneteenth. Yep. yep. Liberation. Yep. So whenever Jesus comes back, which we don't know, we talk all about that in Revelation, <clears throat> that would be our VE day, or to use the analogy that Brock gave, that would be the Juneteenth. And uh, Jesus's life, death, resurrection would be the Emancipation Proclamation. It, it's interesting to think, could you imagine being the people who go to Texas to say you're actually free? So like there's work to be done after D-Day. Mm-hmm. There's work to be done after Abra- Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm of setting captives free. And that's where we are. Yep. 
You don't, that's exactly you don't just where let we are. Abraham Lincoln get up and give a speech and be like, all right, no, now it's time to go set people free. Mm-hmm. Like now it's time to wage war yep. against those that are holding people in captivity. Dude, come on, that preaches. Well, what I'm realizing as you're saying that too, Brock, I mean, it just so happens. Well, we wouldn't say coincidentally, but Jesus in the gospels, he reads from the scroll in Isaiah and pretty much gives his like manifesto of why he's come. And literally some of the lines he says is that I've come to set set the the captives free. free. Yep. Boom. Booyah. Dude, you guys, NBA Jam, he's heating up. He's on fire. <laughs> Booyah. Josh, do you know this? Nope. <laughs> Are you serious? Brock, do you? Of course. Josh. Dude, I. what was your first uh, game system? Was it a Nintendo 64? Oh, bro, before that, Super Nintendo. Or, or even Nintendo, it's so like uh, uh, duck hunting. Oh, remember remember yeah. duck hunting? All right. Josh, do you know that? Yes, I know what it is. I didn't have one, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> Dude, I remember when Nintendo 64 came out. Oh, we bought one for the youth group. It was big time, man. Favorite game on that? So easy. The GoldenEye 007. You, you do like the, the multiplayer oh. four screen thing. Oh, yeah. Kelsey and I would play that at home. I, I sucked at it. Oh, I, I was terrible. It. I always chose complex. I would just wander around. I didn't know where to go. Yeah. Just aimlessly wandering around. Josh, I could see you being pretty, pretty good at that game, GoldenEye. I guess I'm gonna have to buy it now. Yeah, you're oh probably more the Halo generation, Josh. Uh, I didn't play either, but it was <laughs> it was a thing when I was in youth group. Yeah, Halo. okay. So Halo was a thing. Real quick, and we'll get back on top of it. Josh, have you ever played a video game before? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing he's Mario Tennis. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> dude, they should come out with Mario Pickleball now. Oh, for me, because yeah. I'm a pickleball athlete now. You are a pickleball <laughs> so athlete. I do. Uh, no, I was super into uh, racing simulators. So like Gran Turismo, PlayStation. Like, they, did dude, you a- yes. use the actual wheel instead of, like, for like the console? Uh, not growing up. Now I do. Now I have one. But Ooh. back then I, I didn't. Dude, have you seen that movie about that kid who uh, p- plays uh, the racing video game and he wins the competition? True story. And he actually gets to go and race real car- cars and now he's a legitimate NASCAR racer. The movie Gran Turismo? That's the one. Yeah. Why did you look at me so blankly? Oh. <laughs> I was no. struggling to get this description out. <laughs> you were looking at me like, Please did you hear about out. this movie? And I was like, Help yeah. me out. I yeah. can't remember it. <laughs> All right. Let's get All back right. to this. Going back to that was setting a- the captives free. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Jesus, the, the Bible tells us actually very, cl- like this is black and white stuff, that Jesus defeated... Satan. Like, so I'm going to straight up read this from uh, Colossians 2. Here's the verse. Verse 15, give us that drilling. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So boom, Jesus triumphed over the powers and authorities on the cross. Yet, evil still runs rampant. What I want us to do now is I think this paradigm is so helpful in terms of the D-Day, V-E-Day and, or in, and Lincoln's um, address and then June Tithneath. I think it's so easy for churches to go to one of the ends of the spectrum. And so they become like culturally, functionally, like pure D-Day. So like the war is over, victory, we have victory. There's nothing else left to fight. Right. Or they go to the opposite of 
we have no victory and there's just evil and suffering around us and there's no hope. Like those are like the opposite paradigms. And I think that's when people get in trouble. Yeah. And we got to bring it right back to the middle. Yeah. So it's that's like, right. um, if I were to, um, let me just talk in the two extremes. If I were to think yep. that, hey, battle's over, we're golden. Then you are closing your eye. Let's just talk about youth work for a second. Um, read studies and research on where kids are at mm-hmm. and the struggle. I have seen people with that extreme thing be so casual and passive in their yep. work with struggling people. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and they can be dismissive. I think the word that I like is passive, yep. super passive in, in not going after those who are hurting and struggling mm-hmm. and obviously being attacked. Right. And then the other extreme, I feel like, <laughs> dude, that drilling's insane. <laughs> the the drill is not passive right now. No. Um, it's aggressive. Dude. <laughs> It's like my, my, my mind is just like in a fog. Yeah, it's hard to focus. It's right. We're, we're here. We're, we're going we're gonna to help each other out. The other extreme is this, uh, you said hopelessness. I also think it would be like, it's all on us. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's no moving from the cross, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. the foundation of mm-hmm. that. And from that walking in power and hope. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you're, if you forget about that, for example, the end of Revelation, Jesus doesn't have to die again. Right. The end of Revelation, there isn't even a war. People talk about the battle of Armageddon. Yep. Jesus shows up and it's over. Yep, yeah, we talked about that. Because he's already lived, died and risen. Yep. D-Day happened. So V-Day is easy. Yep. He shows up, done. So we live in light of these two things, mm-hmm. the cross and resurrection and the fact that Jesus will show up with ease. Mm-hmm. So I can live with hope and uh, not hopelessness. And I also don't have to close my eyes and act like nothing, nothing actually is going on because there is an enemy at right. work. I can see it in people every day, every, all around me, I see it. Yep. And so I could actually minister with the authority of Jesus, Yep. the risen Jesus. Yep. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. Uh, I just had two thoughts come to my head. Actually, I had a third and it was a drill, but I'll excuse that. Is while you're speaking, it's almost like, this is gonna sound weird. It's almost like Christians were like aliens in this world in the sense of, we are proclaiming this message of victory and hope while experiencing hell on earth. Like, 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 mm, like, they're, they're, yes. like, like, but that's a good thing. We, we should be like aliens in that there's so much war. Literally there's war right now, right? Ukraine, Gaza. I just got back from Kenya three weeks ago. I mean, there's poverty and then there's extreme poverty. For sure. And there were moments I'm walking around slums in Nairobi. I, I didn't even know what to say to people. Because I felt so paralyzed of like, what can we do about this? It's easy to uh, feel um, hopeless when you meet certain suffering. Yeah. Like I remember being in Haiti 
and this, we went to this hut and this woman is holding her brand new baby girl and there's voodoo all over her hut. Mm. And so the missionary says, Brock, ask her about the voodoo. And I ask her about the voodoo, he translates. And this woman looks at me and goes, I'll open my life to Jesus and get rid of this voodoo if he will feed my baby. Wow. I mean, what? I was a young man at the time. Totally. Like if I, at that point, it's all about what works. Right. If mm-hmm. voodoo works, if voodoo feeds my baby, I'm doing voodoo. If Jesus feeds my baby, I'll follow Jesus. And when you meet suffering like that, desperation like that, that's why it's so vital that Christians engage and be a part of solution making. Yep. We bring clean water to that village. We dig those wells. We mm-hmm. do the hard grunt work and not act like the war is over because of right. uh, D-Day. Right. There's more, there's work. Now it's time to do the work of liberation. Exactly. The, um, uh, that's so good because what I was thinking is we should be aliens in the sense of because we know that there is a sure to victory, we should already be speaking and walking into that language now. Dude, it reminds me of your Kobe analogy. So like- I don't remember that one. I'll give it to you. Uh, Kobe jumps on your team in a pickup game. You're going to win. Oh, that's right. So like we go to uh, uh, Kenya, Haiti, wherever, Mm -hmm. Mexico. And dude, we got Jesus on our team. Right. We have an assurance of victory. We will bring hope to that yep. village. Yep. So, like we we walk in this uh, this assurance. Yep. We don't have to be like, mm, I don't know if we can make a difference here. Oh, really? Totally. Yes, we can. Yep. Like living in that kind of hope. So even when darkness comes your way, even when your family looks like, dude, are we gonna make it? Maybe your marriage. Like, yep. I don't know if we're gonna make it. Yes, you will. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Like hold on, yep. Because God, Jesus restores. Jesus works. The story isn't over, and we can live with hope. And I think it's vital that we live in that tension of the already, mm-hmm. not yet. The, Jesus has already come. He's lived. He's died. He's risen already. But there's work to be done, and so we're in that tension of the already, not yet. Yep. And of course, I, mean, I wasn't even alive during World War II. Uh, you weren't, because you. You have a an old old guy vibe. <laughs> I didn't even, I, I didn't I, even I, know I, what I was gonna say. Yeah, there. Well, I don't even know what to say back to that. <laughs> I actually see Josh as more of an old soul than me, but I feel old. Yeah, yeah. Inside, he's inside, old, but down deep in my soul, it hurts. I complain about now, how everything. Old are, how old are you inside? Inside, I'm. I'm I feel like seventy five. <laughs> uh, maybe like seventy. Maybe seventy. Okay, here's 70. the problem with me. Is I'm 52. Inside, I'm like 13. <laughs> and that's the problem. <laughs> Josh, do you age yourself with like dog ears? I do. Yeah. <laughs> According to my calculator, I should be dying pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, no. I was going to go somewhere else because I have a dog who I think is on his way out. And I'm Please, Lord, pray, kill this dog. I'm praying to Jesus. <laughs> come, come. But, anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So wasn't in World War II, but if I was, 
I'm thinking like, okay, if D-Day had just happened, it actually would renew my energy mm. to then fight more on and like until actually finish the war. And to fight morons. Yes. <laughs> that was so on purpose. <laughs> So yeah, it's this thing of like, because of the victory of like, it actually, it renews our, it brings hope because life still does suck, but we know the outcome because of what happened to you 2000 years ago. So it, it catalyzes us to still push forward. Mm. Um, the other thing that's been helpful for me, I just thought of this, Brock, I'm sure you've heard this. Josh, I just don't think, you don't like reading boring books like Brock and I do. But there's a guy named Intu Wright, and there's mm. an analogy that he loves. He talks about learning the language of heaven. Love that. And so he, he's like, hey, you know, in heaven, which is going to be on earth, we want to learn now the language that we're going to speak there. Mm. And so the whole point of like Christian activity now is like we're we're living now in light of the future. We're we're starting to live now with the way that we're going to talk and do when Jesus comes back. Yes. And so like when you were talking about Haiti or Kenya and the water well thing, to me, it's us learning the language of hope now. And we wanna include others in that. Hey, there's this new language, come learn it. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, totally. Well, this was what the disciples did. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, go go and tell the good news that I've lived, that I've Mm -hmm. come, I've lived died, I rose from the dead. Just go tell, go tell people the good news. Mm-hmm. And so they lived in light, even though Rome was still in place, mm-hmm. still in power, still uh, wreaking havoc. They lived with this hope. Like, so like we're in a similar situation. Yep. You look at our world, you look at the kind of world our children are growing up in, the confusion of it all, the difficulty of it all, mm-hmm. the anxiety levels, the uh, oh, yeah. forms of addiction. Yep. And dude, it's it's no different than the empire of Rome. Oh, totally. And so like they are living with this node. Look what Jesus did and look what he will finish doing. And they lived with this amazing hope, so much hope that they could face torture. Yep. Death with a smile on their face. Yep. They almost seemed insane to the populace. Yeah. Like these people are insane, but the way they lived was so attractive. Mm. It, that's why the church grew. It wasn't because they showed up with um, like, uh, th- here's what it was. The way they lived was so convincing. Yeah, it was compelling. Yes. Uh, wait, so Brock, are you saying that the reason why the early church in Acts didn't explain didn't explode was because they didn't drop like a, a helicopter with Easter eggs on their Easter service. <laughs> anyway, I want to do that this year at Easter. If you have a helicopter, we want to drop eggs onto the field from the helicopter. Like logistically speaking, it makes a ton of sense. We're right here next to the airport. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Um, here's my thought though: when <laughs> with the with the propellers going. <laughs> That's a lot of noise. And you're dropping the eggs. Aren't they going to fly like freaking everywhere? Like they're not going straight down. Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question, Josh. Do you know anything of that? No, I don't, unfortunately. Anyway, forget it. I, I've always wanted to do uh, like like an adult 
egg hunt and, and what I mean by that just to clarify is like for there to be like actually like really valuable things in the egg hunt like some have like gas. You know, like a hundred dollar bills oh. gas okay gas is Dude. expensive Yes. Okay. Okay. Maybe a gas gift card. There you go, Josh. But like, like, like really valuable things, and it's yes. adults, and it's just like this. So going I, for. I worked for a company called You Specialties, and at Christmas time, they would hand out gifts to us as a staff. My first Christmas there, they hand out gifts, and there's like a Christmas ball, uh, decor- decorative. Uh, what's that called? Ball. Christmas ball. That sounds weird. The things that you hang on the trees. Ornaments. Ornaments? Oh, thank you. There's the word. <laughs> A, a beautiful Christmas ornament and there's different things inside the gift bag. All of a sudden, everyone who had been there takes the Christmas ornament, throws it on the ground, stomps on it. There's a $100 bill inside the Christmas ornament. Then they, I'm like, what? So we start breaking every gift that's in our gift bag and it's got $100 bills and dude, it was insane. Kelsey and I walked away with over $1,000 that night. We both were working for the and that was our Christmas bonus. Wow. It was really fun. It was Wow. It was super cool. Dude, okay, I <laughs> I want to be at that Christmas party. Dude, come on. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> man, we're we're so off track here. Uh, but this is good. We love it. Let me ask this. I, I think something that I've always thought about is or, or that I think a lot of people wrestle with. If Jesus has won, scriptures are clear on it. I okay, I get the whole D-Day, VE Day thing. Man, what's like Satan's just running wild and he's just causing more havoc. Like how come Jesus hasn't done anything about that? I guess what I'm trying to name is how do we sit in the tension yeah. of, hey, Christians talk about gospel. They talk about good news. But then I'm just seeing the muck of life. Yeah, we sing a song in our church. I'm forgetting the line. Maybe Josh, you'll remember it but it's about, there's a line at the end of the song, it's the bridge that says, it's like, you will never disappoint me. Do you know that? You know what I'm talking about? It's just, and they just kind of say, it's not that. I, I think so. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember the song. I, I think I know what you're talking you'll about. You'll never let me down. Maybe it's like that. Oh, oh is, it, is it King of My Heart? It, well, there's that one. And then there's this the disappointment, but it's the, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, you'll never let me down. You're never going to let me down. You've never, you'll never disappoint me. Um, your word is true. You know, these kinds of songs. And I do remember when I was feeling like, actually God is, has and is letting me down right now. Yeah, yeah. And I can't sing this like right. with any sense of like conviction. Right. It feels, have you guys ever been in that situation oh, totally. where uh, the church says, hey, the victory is is sure the victory is won the the enemy was defeated and you're sitting there in the midst of your suffering yep. and struggle yep. going really I don't believe it I ain't buying yeah have you have you guys been there uh, absolutely I also think in a lot of ways for me that is what spearheaded this series mm. because I I think the only thing that can make sense of living in that because I think everyone lives in that yeah is actually the fact and presence of spiritual warfare. Right. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it only, our lived experience only makes sense if we really do believe that like Satan is still active and wreaking havoc on us. Oh, I just thought of something Go else. For it. And I think it really complicates things. When people up front are in the church or church people talk about 
God is sovereign in control of everything, then you're like, uh, then there really isn't a battle. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, and I think sovereignty language confuses the issue. Yes. So then I can, oh, God's in control of everything. I can blame him for everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is terrible theology. Maybe we Do could it. talk about, can we open that can of worms for a second? Oh, that's a huge can of worms. <laughs> it's a major, it's a major problem when you, for example, I remember when we had had our sixth miscarriage mm. and a lady comes up to me, not Kelsey, but to me and says, hey, really praying for you. Just know God's ways are mysterious and he's in control. And to be honest, <laughs> I looked at this lady and I was like, no, he's not, he didn't cause this. Right. He didn't do this. And, and you, you, we have touched this in this series, even though I've been away, I have been listening. Mm-hmm. We are living in a fallen, broken world. Yep. Um, we did that. Mm-hmm. We are weak in our flesh. And so like, the enemy can tempt me, but also I can tempt myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm easy prey. I don't even need the enemy at times. I'll yeah. just tempt myself. I'll fall into, without the enemy, I can, I can trip up on my own. Mm-hmm. But then you throw in the enemy. So we've got this broken world. You've got my own flesh and weakness. You've got the enemy prowling like a lion mm-hmm. seeking to devour. So you got these threefold problems which mm-hmm. are wrecking havoc on the earth. And you have people going, God's in control of it all. And I say, BS. Yeah, that, that is why I love, uh, so a book that's been helpful for me. And I'm also gonna say, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with everything he has in it, but that shouldn't deter us right. from reading the book. Right? Sure. And that's a whole other conversation. But a book that's been so helpful for me in this is the book, uh, God at War. <laughs> oh, it's a great book. By, by Greg Boy. And again, I don't agree with everything that he says. Sure. But I think his paradigm that there is an actual war going on where there are multiple wills. There you go. Satan has a will. He has an agency. Yep, He's I have conscious. a will. Yeah implies that there is a war going on. And I, I remember another thing that will come back to that, that I learned in my twenties theologically was taking the Lord's prayer seriously. What a thought mm. because Jesus actually, he, so he prays, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You only pray that and say those words if it's the assumption that sometimes his will isn't done Thank you. on earth. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, but back to the <laughs> topic yes. is, okay, so I realize that um, God gives free will. Mm-hmm. In fact, love can't exist without free will. It, it implies and assumes free will. It, it has to. Like I, I, to win Kelsey's heart, I didn't grab her by the hair and drag her into my cave and force her to love me. Mm. Did you do that with... Uh... <laughs> That's not how you... <laughs> That's not, I don't, it didn't, it's not, it's not, I haven't seen it work so far, but literally I have chosen to love. Now God has wooed me and um, man, I look, I look at how much he loves me and I'm one, but uh, there is free will. And 
Um, and so in the midst of the cross and resurrection and uh, when Christ returns, the return of Jesus to restore all things finally, fully, mm. um, here's the difference is I can go, there is free will active, which is why the world is so broken, mm -hmm. but I know the ending. So in this moment, I can't get stuck in this moment. Yep. I can't let this moment consume me, overwhelm me without, and that's why I have to be around people mm -hmm. who can speak, wait, the ending's good. Hold on, just hold on. Yep. Because we're gonna turn a corner here. And so that's why this topic is so huge. Yeah. And we're not naive to have hope. Yeah, that, that's my thing. And maybe we, we can end on that is I think there's two points. One, we can live with assurance. Yes. So, so, so evil doesn't overwhelm us. Because here's my deal. Like if I, didn't, if I didn't believe in Jesus and God and all this, like after coming back from a trip in Kenya, I, I, I would just be like, man, I'm overwhelmed by evil. And it happens but, all of the time. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, the evil and suffering is the number one cause people lose their faith. Totally. Now, why did you not lose your faith? Here, here, this is, here we go. This is, yeah. this is the take home. So to me, it's, it's the assurance of Christ's victory that mm. I know because he rose three days later, because of the, the proof of that reality, I know that sometime in the future that will happen for the rest of us. So I can live in deep assurance and confidence, not in myself, not in a governmental system, but in Jesus. Yes. Because of what happened 2000 years ago. And the fact that his spirit lives in you. Yes. You walk in this power to actually bring change. Well, and so that's my second point. So we, we live in assurance, but then the second point is we don't live in naivety. Right. Because I can't stand religious people who almost like ignore evil and don't try to bring about change. Yes. So it's just, like they're, they're naive to it. It's already written. We, what's the point? We don't really even need to yeah. pray. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all been determined. No. No, no. We are in a war. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Josh, thoughts for us? Uh, two things. Only because it got stuck on my head. I think the song you're talking about was The Living God. Okay. Uh, which the bridge is uh, Death Was Never Gonna Hold You. It's Never Gonna Hold Me because you're the only thing holding on to me. I think. Is that what you're talking There's about? There's something about a disappointment. You've never, you'll never. Uh, I'm disappointed. I'm pretty sure that he's talking about King of My Heart. King of My Heart. Well, that's you'll never let me down. Because, yeah, I feel like there's a disappoint word in there. Okay. That we recently sang in youth group, and I was sitting there going, "These students need to know that these words are true." Because sometimes what you see in the world, and you're like, "This, yes, that's not true." If yeah. if you don't talk, if you just talk in light of the cross and not in light of the final victory, you, you, it's, you can get disoriented in this life. Yeah. Well, okay. But keep going. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep looking into it. Uh, and second thing, I was thinking about what you said uh, a little earlier ago about um, like the lady in voodoo and almost like survival. Mm. And uh, it's fascinating to me that people don't always consider this as a matter of survival. Oh. You know, like, so like relating that back to this, it's like, it's almost I wish as people would see this as a sense of urgency that this is a matter of survival. Like this is your life, you know, like how you go about it, you know? And so if people would press into that a little bit more and 
I mean, some people will look at it as voodoo. You know, some people will not. Uh, but if we, as a body of Christ, um, kind of almost to some degree, like lived as if this was a sense of urgency to my survival, then it could potentially help others in that sense. Look at this from that perspective too of, hey, like if it's a matter of survival and this voodoo thing is going to help me, then I'm going to go with that voodoo thing. Right. You know, and so it's like, that's what I'm trying to get at in terms mm. of like thinking of thinking of that. You know, it's like people just look into it that way. It, it could be different for people too. Right. There's a sense of urgency. Well, yeah. Go ahead. L- let me use this as a, as a cliffhanger and a foreshadow for our next episode. Oh. I think you're onto something there, Josh. I think part of the American Western problem is that I think we either choose to or don't choose to look evil in the face because we have very comfortable lives. And so we've become numb and we don't live with a sense of urgency. But if you go anywhere else in the world, South America, Africa, Asia, with the exception of some pockets, there is a sense of urgency Mm -hmm. because life is not easy and comfortable. And I think that is to our own detriment. Oh, major. This is why mission trips Change are transformative. Yep. You go there and you, you don't just, um, the mission isn't just, we're gonna just go and gawk at the poor. It's, we're gonna get our hands dirty yep. and work alongside of the poor. And you cannot, and by the way, I, you, maybe you can attest to this and we should wrap up, but when I was in Kenya, their faith was greater than mine. 100%. <laughs> like they ministered to me. 100%. And they are in the midst of poverty. Like what is wrong with me when my world is difficult? It's not nowhere as nearly as difficult as theirs. Yeah. And I start to lose faith. How dare I? Uh, totally. How weak am I? No, that's, it's exactly what I experienced. I, I think, again, we'll wrap up with this. I think one of the reasons why I want to do this God at War series is to me, actually, a spir- spiritual warfare lens makes more sense out of reality. Yep. And those, those people, so like for me, my experience in Kenya, but it, other people groups as well, they naturally get that life is war. Yes. You don't have to teach them that. They live it. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I think Americans need to, that's why I want to take us through There's the series. There's not very many atheists in Kenya. No. <laughs> no they have other problems, but yeah, that, that's not one. That's not one. They know there's a battle. Totally. Yeah, you know, they, they, they would look at you oddly like, if you said, you don't believe in demons? Dude. Dude, I had a kid email or text me this morning. He's a very wealthy kid, lives in just outside of New York City. His parents are millionaires. He was in my youth group back East. He texted me. He was like, hey, I just wanted you to know that I'm an atheist now. I love you and I love what you taught me. And I text back, I'm like, bro, uh, you've always been an atheist. <laughs> what are you, t-? like he was never not an atheist. Like he right. came to our youth group as an atheist. I watched him, he was, uh, he was always an atheist. Now, obviously he revealed something that act, maybe for a season, he actually was a little more open, but man, we have to be careful that when we pad our lives and uh, there's 
and, and our God becomes comfort and money and finance. Um, it's, it's just interesting, but you go to the poor and they are experiencing the power and presence of God. They know he's real. He literally put food on the table that day. Yep. And when you live uh, that, you said the, uh, the prayer, um, give us this day, our daily bread. When you are providing yourself, you provide for yourself. You don't need God to provide your daily bread. And you live like that. You live as a, a practical atheist. Yeah. But when you are living like God, show up. You'll see him show up. Mm-hmm. So good. All right, we're gonna end with that. So next episode, we're dropping, uh, we're gonna look at kind of like three enemies, uh, Satan, and then the one, the two that we haven't talked about, the world and the flesh, and what their main tactic is, which we actually just touched on a little bit. So come back for episode number four. We love you guys. Season two, baby. Season two, we're doing it. The group's back. All right, grace and peace. <laughs>